Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Quick trigger warning. We do briefly talk about domestic violence in this episode. So I just wanted to prep you. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Carrie. Carrie is an entrepreneur of 15 years and is the president of Book, Speak, Repeat and the host of the Book, Speak, Repeat podcast, which I will link up in the show notes. Carrie is a sought after speaker on topics such as leveraging your publicity to close more deals, bodies don't lie, body language basics, the significance of color in wardrobe and the psychology behind it, the network game and making networking work for your business and follow-up tips for success. So I'm in school for psychology. So psychology always uh, fascinates me. (laughs) Uh, Carrie has interviewed celebrities such as co-host of Shark Tank, Barbara Corkin, authors Larry Wingett, Jeffrey Hazlett, former Miss West Virginia and QVC talk show host Kim Parrish, and many more successful business entrepreneurs. She is a sought-after guest for many media outlets. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And Megan, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's such an honor to be here with you and your listening audience today. Well, I'm sure they're going to find a lot of, you know, inspiration out of this. I, I tell people every woman has a story and it will be inspirational to somebody. I feel like um, not you, because you've you've been around for a while, but um, some women get really nervous and they're like, oh, my story isn't really going to be inspirational. I'm like, it's going to help somebody. I promise you it will. Uh, so Carrie, you had some struggles when you were younger with self-esteem. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I, a lot of people are really, um, kind of shocked when I tell them this, Megan, because, you know, logistically, when most people meet me, I'm a pretty outgoing person, you know, in business and, and just, you know, I speak for a living, I'm in front of audiences, I'm, I'm embracing groups and so forth. But um, growing up, I had a huge issue with self-esteem. I had a very, very tough uh, time in my preteen and teen years. Mm. Um, you know, my family, I'm originally from Maryland, uh, the Hartford County area. My family had decided to move to Florida. They relocated when I was only 12. So I do consider myself a native Floridian. Yeah. But when we moved here, um, it was so different. And that was back in the, in the mid eighties. And, uh, you know, when moving here, it, it was, they moved to a very small town up in the panhandle area, um, which is very rural, you know, very close to, you know, Alabama, Georgia border, and just very different from what I was used to. I came from a background, uh, when we were living in Maryland, I went to a parochial school or what's now called Catholic school. Um, so very staunch structured environment to public school, number one and public school in the South, which was completely different. And 
it was a lot, it was culture shock. Number one, number two, I was removed from most of my family, you know, cause it was just my, my parents and my brother and I that relocated. And, you know, I, which I, I do struggle with, and a lot of people don't know this, but I have a social anxiety disorder and oh. I'm also in the process of being tested as an adult to see if I am on the autism spectrum. So okay. when people find that out, they're very shocked. They're like, you have a social anxiety <laughs> disorder. How is that even possible? And, um, you know, it, it's true because I, at the end of the day, I can do very well on stage, but when mm-hmm. I'm in a group, a small group of people, like maybe at a birthday party, I just clam up. I, mm-hmm. I get very stressed, very nervous. And it's, it's, it's very, um, it's been a challenge. It's been something I've had to get over, but I, and I'm working on it the best that I can. And, but getting back to growing up, you know, my self-esteem issues really, I, I was so quiet and so shy and we're kind of finding that I, you know, obviously if I'm on the autism spectrum, I've always had it. And it just seems to make a lot of sense now looking back on it with my behavior, uh, in school and just not really being able to talk to people. Um, so I was picked on a lot. Clearly I was, I was the outsider. I was was from, you know, from the North and moving into a small Southern town. I remember first day of school, I got there and my mother's always let me express myself with the way that I like to dress Mm -hmm. and, and earrings that I like to wear. So of course I looked different from everybody else. And that just set the tone that this wasn't going to go well. And it just really, I really struggled with it. I, you know, had just maybe one or two friends really growing Mm up. Um, you know, again, I was bullied a lot. Um, and you know, back then it was so different because there's not as much advocacy. There wasn't any back then as much as there is right now. Um, but I had a tough time with it and it really left an imprint on my brain. Um, and it really made me struggle with my self-esteem. I was kind of considered a late bloomer as far as my looks and so forth. Um, I really didn't start to kind of come into my own skin until I was a senior in high school and then into my Mm -hmm. early college years. Um, but even then I, you know, I had a resemblance to Twiggy, the model. Yeah. I remember Twiggy. I, yeah, I had a pixie haircut, super skinny, um, big eyes, big lips. And I actually, you know, I was, what happened was I was waiting tables, uh, when I was going to college my first year. And I had so many people that would say to me, you're so pretty. Have you ever thought about being a model? You look like Twiggy. And as someone who was told throughout high school, oh, you're too ugly. I would never date you. Mm. You know, I couldn't see it. And I, I'll be honest, I still have difficulty seeing it today sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, on, on certain days. And uh, it piqued my curiosity so much. I wound up, I found a modeling agent that was in Tallahassee, which was two and a half hours away from our family home. I drove up there. Um, I took some modeling and acting classes with Marsha Dahl, who is still a good friend and mentor to this day. And I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. I She entered me into a modeling competition called Models of the South that year. Um, I placed, I think, first for being most photogenic, and then I placed second for an, you know, an acting division. Um, mm. And I had a bunch of pictures made. I saw how photogenic I was, and it really changed my, my perception of myself. And then we had a big article published in the local paper, which really blew a lot of people away, which I, I'll be honest, I liked that. <laughs> um, I just kind of felt like it was sort of like punching somebody in the stomach after they hit you. Um, and it just really made me come out of my shell. I call it the peacock effect. So 
Tell us what the peacock effect, like how, how is that defined? <laughs> well, the peacock effect, and it's funny because I'm actually working on a book right now with that title oh, and wow. basically about around the same centering around the same, um, topic of self-esteem and women. Mm. But I call it the peacock effect because anytime anybody's ever been to a zoo or anywhere where there's actually a peacock, or if you see one out in the wild per se, um, you know, they have that beautiful tail feather. And when it spreads out, there's all these gorgeous colors, they're strutting around. But normally when you go to see a peacock, you'll run up to it and, oh, look, it's a peacock. And the first thing it does, it darts behind a tree or behind a building. (laughs) It won't come out. And then like you start talking to someone else. And before you know it, the peacock's like, oh, nobody's paying any attention to me. They come out from behind the building and they start walking around, then they start strutting. And the next thing you know, they have that beautiful tail just fanned right out. And I feel like that's kind of what happened to me. I was so scared and so afraid that I was running behind. I don't want anybody to notice me. And again, I still struggle with this to this day. Um, But then it was like, once I was like, okay, I feel comfortable, like with the modeling, I felt really comfortable with Mm -hmm. that. I knew I was good at it. And so it was like, okay, wow, look what I can do, you know, kind of like Stuart from Mad TV. (laughs) (laughs) Stuart, the man child, if you've ever seen that, uh, it's so funny. Look what I can do. You know, so same effect, but I, I call it the peacock effect. And, you know, many years, you fast forward many years later, I've uh, worked in the industry industry in the modeling industry. And I've worked on both sides of the desk as a model and actor. And then also um, on the flip side, booking people on assignments and teaching Mm -hmm. modeling and acting classes. And I could see the same thing with a lot of the kids. I'm, you know, I could pick out who's really shy, who needs the most help, who needs the most encouragement. And that's exactly what I would do is encourage those children, because that's all of us have a peacock inside of us. And we just need to make sure that we can get that out, you know, and, and show everybody how beautiful we are and how different we are. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was a total nerd in high school, which I'm proud of now. Cause I'm like, I'm going for my yeah. master's in psychology. Being a nerd is cool now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I definitely got picked on and uh, it wasn't until my first time going to college where I started going out and suddenly I had all these friends. I mean, in all reality, they weren't true friends, but I had all these friends and all this interest. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is kind of overwhelming because I was such a like introvert. I I mean, I know now I was, I'm an introvert and I had a little bit of social anxiety, not just like, I don't have a, like a social anxiety disorder. And as a mental health advocate, I really want people to be clear on that. Like, you know, sometimes people are like, Oh, I have OCD. And you're like, "Mm, but you don't, you're like, no, you don't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I do get very anxious in social situations. I do best with like one-on-one or small groups of people I know. So if I'm in a, in a, a group of people, I don't know, I get very nervous, um, until I get to know people. And I have a really hard time. So when I was like out and I had all these friends and I had all these people that were interested in me, I was just like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? But like you said, that peacock effect, eventually I was like, yes, look at me. (laughs) Exactly. And you know, it's, and, and 
you're right. And I, I do see that too. I, I find sometimes like with me, with my, cause I have been diagnosed by a doctor that I yeah. have acute anxiety and I have had panic attacks and I've mm. had a couple of them and they're not pretty. They're not, mm. they're, they're, you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, I've had a panic attack. And, and they're like, and I said, Oh, really what happened? And they're like, Oh, well, I was driving in the car and I got really anxious. And I'm like, honey, you didn't have a panic attack. If you had a panic attack, you would have not been able to drive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I literally, I've had one in public where, uh, someone called an ambulance because they thought I was having a seizure, you know, it's that it's that bad. And I don't think, you know, again, and I agree with you. I think sometimes people will say certain things like I have OCD or I have, and they, and they don't really have it. And I do have a good friend who has that. And he said one time, he said, if you have to have it to understand it, I don't want you to have it. He said, this is it's absolute for lack of a better expression, hell. And he said, I wouldn't want someone to have that. Um, so I'd rather you live in ignorance, honestly, than having it. I have, uh, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, uh, and I've had one panic attack in my life. I couldn't get off the couch. Like I I couldn't, I kept going in my head. Like you're going to have to get the kids off the butt. You have to get the kids from school, but like off the bus from school. And I couldn't move. Yeah. I was just frozen in place. Like I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know, like if that was bipolar disorder related at the time I was having like a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the whole point is like, people do throw those words around, you know, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious. Oh, I think my friend is bipolar. Cause they're all over the place. I'm like, you don't really understand what those words mean. And, and when somebody's experiencing, you're like devaluing their experience because I'm like, no, I don't want anybody else to have bipolar disorder because it's not fun to have. And, and, you know, to have to balance all these things, I'm sure with you as well as you have to balance your mental health and, you know, be, be mindful of what you do. So you don't overwhelm yourself. And, and that's true. And I, I do struggle with that. I mean, even, like I said, even to this day, I have episodes where, you know, again, people will say to me, I find it hard to believe that you have a social anxiety disorder. I just saw you speak last week to 500 people or, or, you know, I've seen you speak before. I, I, I don't get it. And, and I think for me as my, um, my psychologist, you know, the person that I'm working with currently is explained to me is this is what's happened for me is because back then, like I said, back, cause I'm 47. So, you know, back in the day, they didn't have any kind of autism, ADHD. They didn't have any of that. Um, like it, like it's prevalent today. So I, if you were born with it, nobody would have known they could have, they probably passed it off as extreme shyness, which in my case they did, um, as a very young child, um, just, Oh, try to push her out of her shell. And it became a coping mechanism for me because I have to make a living. Now I have found that I have thrived the best being independent, working on my own, um, working from home, um, having that entrepreneurial lifestyle suited me the best. Um, and I know there's a lot of people who are going through the same process. I am that they're thinking they're on the autism spectrum and there just isn't enough out there for people Mm. who are adults that need to be diagnosed. There's tons of things out there for children, but not for the adults. And it takes, it's taking even longer. I mean, like they told me this could take up to two years. Oh my gosh. And yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, this is insane, you know, cause they have to observe your behavior and, and yeah. I'm, you know, again, I I've tried to do little shortcuts and things, but yeah, I've had people say, Oh, I think I might be autistic too. And I'm like, 
Okay. You know, you? And, and <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm like, you know, there's obviously there was a, a real reason of why I did this and what prompted me. And believe me, I got triggered pretty badly, you know, um, with going on this journey. And, but I do think your, you know, your self-esteem can play, it plays a huge part. And that's yeah. part of the reason why, like, I welcome opportunities, like what you're doing, Megan, because it gives me the opportunity to talk about this. And, and again, like I said, sometimes people listen to these and they're like, you have a social, they're shocked. They're yeah. very shocked. Um, but you know, you never know what people are going through and you're right. Mm -hmm. You never should discount or try to, I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm making the person feel better. You're not, you're actually making it worse. (laughs) Exactly. No. And it, and it, it, it contributes to the stigma. It does. Um, I'm really interested in mental health stigma from a social aspect. Like how can we reduce the stigma? Not from like a clinical aspect. But from a social aspect, how can we reduce the stigma? And ironically, I started this podcast before I went back to school for psychology, and, but it aligns with what I'm, I'm, I'm interested in studying because stories, getting to know people, being exposed, it's, it's, there's actually in social psychology, there's, it, there's a, a exposure, like they, there's lots of research on being exposed to somebody, not exposed, like you take your clothes off, but like being around somebody, um, of different, from different communities, how that reduces hate, stigma, bigotry, um, around, you know, those communities. And so this podcast is so important now, like looking back, I'm like, oh, I've always been interested in this, this line of exposure because like, your story is going to open somebody's eyes and have them say, oh, wow, like what you present and and how you're able to speak in front of all these people, that doesn't mean that you're not struggling with those things. It doesn't. And like I tell everyone too, if you're, you know, because obviously with me, I, I, I'm a speaker and I also work with other speakers. And I always tell people never discount your message, never mm-hmm. think, oh, well, you know, I'm just a real estate agent or I'm a plumber or whatever. I don't have a message to share. Like, like you said, everybody has a story or a message mm-hmm. to share. And it's that one person, Megan, that needs to hear it. That makes it all worthwhile. Yes. I would love to share a quick story about that. Oh, if I may. absolutely. Okay, great. Okay. So probably about four years ago, um, I was in Indy. Well, I don't want to name the city, but I was in a major city. Um, and I was there downtown, uh, for a convention show and I was speaking, I was doing a workshop and, uh, I wound up, I, something had happened where I was staying at the hotel that connected to the convention center. They overbooked or they did. Well, long story short, I spoke that day. I had to check out of the hotel because they overbooked themselves. So I was like, it's okay. I'm flying out tomorrow morning. I'll just stay at the uh, at a different hotel at the airport. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, took an Uber out to my other hotel. I got something to eat at a nice restaurant, went to bed. I had to get up early in the morning. Cause I usually like to take those early morning flights. So yeah. I don't have to, you know, I agree. Wait right another, yeah, you. <laughs> just so you don't have to wait. And it was fairly cold. It was in February. Um, so the, they had an airport shuttle, the hotel that I was at. So I, uh, made a schedule to, you know, get picked up at like seven o'clock or six o'clock. And uh, I was the only one there. So the gentleman said, ma'am, do you mind? I have another person to pick up at the other hotel. It's just right down the road. And then we'll go to the airport. And I'm like, sure, it's fine. No worries. Um, so we go down to this other hotel. We pick up this woman. Um, she's probably a little, little bit older than me. Um, 
I, for some reason I had to get out of the van when they were, I think I had to do something to move my luggage or whatever. Mm. And I wound up, she got in before me. So I was sitting beside her and we wound up, um, I, you know, we, she was talking to the driver and she was asking weird questions. Like, um, can you tell me if you're, you know, the long-term parking, does that have an actual security guard on duty? Is it guarded all the time? I parked over there. I want to, you know, and, uh, you know, just about the lighting and just weird stuff. And I was like, okay, something's up now to share a quick side story with you. I, I'm a former stalking victim. I I've been a, a, you know, that falls under domestic violence, but that I went, battled with that for two years. So I kind of know what domestic violence and I I'm certified as a domestic violence advocate as well. Oh, I went, I'm training a domestic violence survivor. So, Oh, well, see, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens to so many women mm-hmm. and I could, I was picking up on cues. I'm like, something's wrong here. So I start, I strike up a conversation. I said, Oh, where are you headed today? And she said she was headed to, uh, to a city in Tennessee. And, uh, Anyway, I just said, oh, you know, that's great. And she said she was going for a job interview and um, she was in the graphic design industry. And I'm like, oh, that's wonderful. How exciting. And she then she shared with me and I could tell from her body language that she was scared to death about something. And she said, yeah, I spent the night um, last night at the, at the hotel, but the night prior I was at a safe house. And she said, oh. I have to get out of here because my husband is threatening to kill me. Oh, my So I started, I was like, okay, this person has been put on my path for a reason. So I started to talk with her and I said, listen, I said, I've been where you're at, but in a different situation. And I said, I want to tell you two things. I said, this is going to get better. You're going to get to a point where you're going to enjoy your life again. And I said, I want you to promise me something. I said, when you get to, and I named the city, I said, you're going to get that job. You're going to move there. You're going to have a wonderful new life. And once you move, I want you to promise me that you're going to take some type of self-defense class, whether it's mm. kickboxing, Krav Maga, karate, because I take, I take both. I take kickboxing and I've taken Krav Maga before. And I said, it's going to physically keep you in shape. It's going to sharpen your mental, menta- you know, your mental state. And it's also going to empower you mm. because you, I said, believe it or not, you have more power over him. I said, that's why he wants to kill you because he can't control you anymore. I said, so you're already out the door. I said, you're going to be fine. And when we got, she was flying out on a different airline than me. He had to let her out first. So I had to get out to let her out. And I said, I know you don't know me, but can I give you a hug? And she said, yes. And she just, Megan, she just collapsed in my arms and I could feel, I could feel her rib cage. You know, I could Mm -hmm. tell she's, this has destroyed her diet, her, you know, and I just said, everything is going to work out. I said, you go on, you get on that plane, you go get that job. I've often wondered to this day, what happened in my mind, she goes and she gets that job and she's safe Mm -hmm. and she's happy and she's in a healthy relationship. Um, but I, even though she wasn't somebody sitting in my audience a few days prior at that event, she was somebody I needed to, she was someone who needed to hear that message that I had yeah. to share. So that's why I tell people, you know, when you are not sharing your message, when you don't get the word out, you're not only doing a disservice to yourself, but you're doing a disservice to the world because 
think about all, what if I hadn't gone to, what if I would have said, Megan, you know, I'm only going to get paid $700 to go to that event. That's not even going to cover my airfare or that's, you know, it's only going to cover my airfare or maybe one night at the hotel. It's not worth it. And I didn't go. And she was riding in that van by herself or riding in the airport shuttle next to two people who were intimidating or what if, you know, but I, I was there, I had a message to share. So how if you're really doing a disservice to the world when you don't get up and share your message. And it's the same thing too. We've talked about this before with podcasting, get on these podcasts. Don't just stop there. Take that episode, share it with the world. Because again, there could be someone in your feed, someone who's having a bad day, somebody who shares it and another person clicks on it. You don't know the seeds that you're planting and you don't know the people that you're helping. It's a ripple effect. So, you know, anybody who's listening, if, if I'm inspiring anybody today, it's, share your message, share your happiness, share, open the door for somebody, say, thank you. Say, Hey, how are you today? Look people in the eye because people need that. They need it so much. Yeah, they really do. And I always say on the application page, I'm pretty sure I still have it up where I say like, I don't care how many followers you are, you have, like you could have zero, you can have a hundred thousand, a million. I don't care because I feel like everybody has a story to share. And that that story is powerful and it might change somebody's life. Like you said earlier, one person. And every time I share something really intimate about my life, about my diagnosis, about the things I've been through, all I think is like that one person, if it can just help one person. And so far, I know two people who have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder because I shared my story and they heard similarities to what they were going through and got the correct diagnosis just because I was willing to share. So I imagine it's the same for you with, with social anxiety, with, you know, you're talking about getting tested for autism, like sharing those things. There might be that one person that's out there is like, man, I've experienced that too. And, and, and I'm a little bit younger than you are, but when I was younger, we didn't have autism, ADHD. Like my son has ADHD. Like we, we didn't have those things to, to make these connections. And now people our age are like, wow, there's this thing. Can I please get diagnosed with it so I can treat it and actually function with this going on? Um, so yeah, I, that one, anyways, back to the point that one person, if it, it impacts their life, if, if you help that lady in any way, shape or form, totally worth it. It is. And, you know, and you're right. I, I have a good friend, her son has autism and he was born in the late nineties. And she said, even then they were still just learning about yeah. it. And I, you know, again, that's why I'm so, um, so thankful for opportunities where you can talk about other things like this, because we all struggle with something. And I always see all the time I see little quotes and, and people say, you know, always be kind because you don't know what kind of demons the person you're talking to or, or in front of what demons they're battling. Um, and I, I just think that that's so, that's so true. And I mean, even in business person, not just personal, but in business too, you mm -hmm. never know what people are dealing with. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, struggle with that with my job <laughs> because sometimes 
it's, it's how people talk. So we all have things, like you said, growing up, you learn these coping and they might not be healthy coping mechanisms. So for me, like when somebody talks down to me or I perceive that they're talking down to me or not taking me seriously, I get very defensive. (laughs) I'm like, I'm an adult. (laughs) Please take me seriously as an adult. So sometimes I struggle with that. Um, having to interact with other people because I'm like, I don't know what their coping mechanisms are, but like, you know, you get very defensive and you're like, no, (laughs) don't do this to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and I've been taking uh, dance classes for, um, well, since December off and on. Um, and that's been kind of a struggle for me. I mean, we've had to really kind of work on a plan because again, I have that social anxiety and dancing is all about being social. And I, you know, I, we've had a couple of instances where I've flipped out, not had a panic attack, but just kind of flipped out, but like, I can't do this. And they've been very good about working with me and just, you know, breaking down the process and making it easier for me and kind of, you know, okay, well, right now we're just going to be, we're in the private room dancing, but we're going to eventually move out to the main room and then I'll eventually do a group class. And, and, you know, it just, we have to kind of ease into it, but I'm kind of facing that fear and it's scary. It really is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, most people are like, what is the big deal? It's just a group class. Well, it may not be a big deal for you, but for me, it's like showing up to, you know, to speak at a major event, you have no clothes on, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's, it's just that dramatic. Um, and again, yeah, I've, I have that coping mechanism where I think for me, something switches on in my brain when I have to present and it's like, okay, it's time to perform. And I just, it's like, I turn into a totally different person, you know, but like they said, you know, that was a coping mechanism for me. And I needed to do that to survive, to make a living mm-hmm. and be able to function and work. And it's, I've done it for so long and it's working and we just have to figure out how to make the other part work. So, um, you know, just facing your struggles one day at a time, all have to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And being, and being honest with ourselves, right. For the longest time, I tried to push myself to be an extrovert (laughs) and I was doing all these things and like interacting with all these people. But then I found myself like exhausted and it would trigger a depressive episode in me. Um, cause anybody who's not familiar with bipolar disorder, like you have the mania and then you have the depression, but I have bipolar type two, which is more depression and like what they call hypomania. So it's not full-blown mania. So the depression's pretty bad. And I would like push myself and push myself to be this extrovert and be around all these people, all these times and not give myself a break. And then I would just be exhausted and stressed. And then it would trigger a depressive episode. And now I'm depressed and I have to cancel all these plans because I can't even like be around people. And it took years for me to realize I'm not an extrovert. I'm an introvert. I do like to interact with people, but I need that time to like decompress and be by myself to fill back up my well and have that energy. Because if I don't, it's going to be really bad. So like being honest with ourselves about like, what do I need to do to help me function? You are saying like, you guys are slowly like, you know, starting with the private lessons and then you're going to go to like, the main floor. And then you're going to go to group classes, like slowly easing your way because you're very honest with yourself. It sounds like you're very honest with yourself about your limitations. Yes. And you have to be, because it's what happened, you know, when I first, 
you know, it's funny because I, I take, you know, I do kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taking Krav Maga, which COVID kind of put a nip in that because yeah. you know, it's more hand-to-hand combat. Um, but, you know, like even with kickboxing, my instructor said to me, which those martial arts was different for me because I think it's because it's so structured and mm-hmm. it's so, you know, every it's yes, sir, or no, sir. You don't call anybody by their first name. It's Miss Heaps, Miss, you know. Yeah. And I, I excelled really well in that, you know, like they would tell me what to do and, and kickboxing, obviously it's very different from learning how to dance. Dance is so much more complex. It takes a lot longer. And again, you know, kickboxing, you're, you're learning how to defend yourself. You're empowering yourself. But my kickboxing instructor had said to me, you need to get faster on your feet. And I said, okay, fine. How do I do that? He said, well, when I was getting my black belt, I took ballet and I'm thinking I am not. I'm not going to go take ballet. I'm thinking the little girls and the pink tutus. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. So I did some research and I thought, well, I'll do ballroom dance. I hear, you know, football players do that. So that's, I kind of walked into one of the Fred Astaire locations and that's where, you know, I I went in there to get faster on my feet. And then it's like, okay, I kind of like this, but then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting nervous, but I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. So it's like my anxiety would build up for each time I had to go to class and I wasn't saying anything. Then it got to the point where I, you know, I, I had something happen where it was just an innocent thing where I, something was said to me kind of like bringing, putting attention on me. And I, I felt back in high school, I just fell apart. And I was like, you know what, I can't do this. I'm going to, I'm not, not going to come back. And then I was like, you know what, I really miss doing this. I missed the social interaction because it was making me come out of my shell more. And I, wound up, I went back and I talked to them and, and we kind of worked, you know, so we had to come up with a different plan. So they were very, they've been great about working with me, which I'm, I'm so thankful for, but I, everybody has to, you got to realize your limitations. And like, for me, we're finding because, you know, with the whole part of where I guess where I'm would be at on this autism spectrum is that I can't, like, if I get really upset or stressed, I either go completely quiet Mm. or I just, I'll kind of like, sort of walk around in circles or stare at the floor, like, but they're kind of picking up on you're going really quiet. Like they they know, they know how far they can push me. But I also, sometimes there's something that I may need to say, like, Hey, we're going too fast, but I can't come out and say it. Not that mm-hmm. I don't want to, I verbal, I cannot verbalize it. Yeah. And I it might take me a week to come back and say, Hey, uh, we need to go slower with this, ha- you know, like to where I can actually talk about it. Um, but that's just something that I, whoever I'm dealing with has to be able to deal with that too. So it's just, you know, trying to be open about your communication too, to say, look, I, I can't do this or I can't do that. I worked with a speaker a few years ago who, um, was also, he was diagnosed as an adult, um, on the autism spectrum. And one of the first things out of his mouth to me was, I just need you to know I am autistic. There may be times you try to talk to me and I may not get back with you right away, or I may may not say much on the phone. I may be having kind of an episode, just bear with me. And I said, well, thank you for sharing that with me. What do I need to do to make communication easier Mm. for us? Because again, you have to, somebody is open enough and trust you enough with that information. You need to be willing to do your part too, you know, as well. So it's really kind of, um, it's a, two-way street, I think with everything, you know, it's just like with your, your situation, you, you know, 
there may be times where you don't want to tell someone this, you know, or you feel uncomfortable, but it, you have to tell them. Um, and, you know, are there people who are not going to be understanding? Of course, there's, oh, and I don't think it's that they're not under, they just don't understand it enough. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I think it's, it's our journey. It's what we're going on. They don't have to understand it. You know, they just have to respect it. That's really, that's really the downplay of it. So. Yeah. And absolutely. And sometimes people are hesitant to like really be honest because they're afraid of how that's going to look like there have been times in the past, not the one where, uh, not your episode, I actually was having internet issues, um, but where I would message guests and be like, I'm not feeling well today. We need to reschedule. And really it's, I'm depressed and I just can't interact with somebody. It's not going to be good for the podcast. It's not going to be good for me. It's not going to be good for the guests. And it's sad because I feel like I can't verbalize that I, I'm in a depression because I feel like that's going to, you know, they're going to judge me. And so I like internalize that and it's, it's difficult. So for the person you're working with, for them to verbalize, like, Hey, this is this, how it might be. And, and for you to be like, well, how can I help you? That's amazing because so many people don't do that. So many people just ignore that and and move on. Like, I'm like you, I need structure. And there's been many times I've had to verbalize. I can't do this chaos. And sometimes people are like, okay, what can we do about it? And other times they just continue on. And I'm just, you know, then I start to lose it a little bit. Well, yeah. And I do, and I can, my heart goes out to you with that because I have felt that way before too. And I've done that where I've pushed myself through the day. And then I look back on it and I think I may have been able to give them a really good interview or a really good overview or, or have a conversation or a sales conversation, but it really burned my candle at both ends. And now I'm just, um, I don't, I can't even really verbalize that. It's almost like you're just, it's like, you don't have anything else to give. Yeah. Your, your bucket is empty. That's what I say. Your bucket is empty. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I can understand that. And, you know, and it is, it's still, there's just so much, like, I'm glad that you're, you're talking about that, that stigma around, and I don't even like to call it mental illness. I think it's just, we all think and behave differently and we just need to be more accepting of that. And I think that if we could all just wear little signs that say, Hey, my name's Carrie heaps. And I, I have this, 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 and this, you know, what's your superpower, you know, it's like, I, you know, and now for my next trick, I just, you know, I wish we could do that where we're all kind of like, okay, I get it. You know, it's all right. Um, but it's, you know, has it, has it affected my personal relationships? Absolutely. You know, um, has it been difficult for me to find the one, you know, to be married? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it has. Um, so it's just, you know, I, yeah, I mean, it's, I think more awareness needs to be raised around it. I, I look at people like, and it's just so sad. It's just, you look at Robin Williams, you look at like all yes. of these different people who have committed suicide because there was some, something going on and they couldn't 
talk about it and nobody, nobody really knew, you know? Um, but it's just, you know, I don't know. It's, I, I think sometimes people like yourself, people like me, where we're trying to be, you know, people are having a bad day or if they need help. And I don't know why this is, and I don't know if you get this, but I go to the airport to travel and I'll have at least one person who will come up to me. I don't know if I look like the type of person either has the answers or I look like I work at the airport. I don't know, but can you tell me how to get here? I don't, I'm lost. And I'm like, yeah, I'll help you. And I'm like, I'm showing it. And I'm like, if you want, I'll walk you down there, you know, and I'm happy to do it. You know, you, sometimes you meet new friends and everything, but I mean, I would want people to help me too. And I did same thing. If I go to an, a, an airport overseas, it's the same thing. You know, how do I get to And I'm like, I have no clue. This is my first time here. I, yeah. But hey, let's try to find it together. But I think sometimes those people who are holding that bridge up, who are helping everyone else, those are the ones who are carrying the biggest burden, you know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they can't talk about it or they find it hard to talk about. So yeah, I just, uh, I, I totally get that that. And again, I just love what you're doing and the fact that you're brave enough to do that. I mean, kudos to you. Kudos. Well, thank you you so much for that. I mean, and thank you for sharing your story. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. I was going to say we could talk forever. Couldn't we? (laughs) I get those episodes where I'm like, we literally could talk for hours about this, (laughs) but unfortunately we have a time limit. Uh, I have had a few episodes that went over the 45 minute mark and the listeners have let me know they prefer the 45 minutes. I think I had one episode They're usually because I never like people just start talking and they don't stop talking, which I don't believe it's my job to stop them from talking. Cause if they got to get it out, they got to get it out and I'm not judging. Um, but yeah, I definitely had a couple times where it's went over and people are like, Hey, <laughs> I really enjoy that 45 minute episode because like, it might be their drive. It might be whatever. And I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) Or their workout time. Yeah. Their workout time. Yep. Uh, so as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? I think based on what we've talked about today, Megan, my message today would be, be kind. And just try to try to be understanding of other people, try to help them if you can. And even if you can't do much, you know, just opening up a door for somebody or, you know, saying a kind word or, Hey, you look great today, or that's a pretty sweater, just help lighten up their day a little bit. Um, Because again, I think the world needs that so much right now. That would be my message. Yeah. Those little compliments can go a long way, especially if somebody is having a really bad day or they're struggling and just to make them smile a little bit can actually make a huge impact. It can. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Megan, for having me. And thank you again for everyone who's tuned in. And I hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.